Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world, and he serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. The title of my message is called Responding to God's Voice. Responding to God's Voice. Now, as you might remember in this series, we've talked about a lot of things pertaining to hearing the voice of God. And it is something that we could keep talking about. But we come to the point of this conversation where I want to make it very clear what it means to respond to God's voice. Because hearing God's voice is a privilege, but it's also a profound responsibility that comes with accountability. God is speaking to us, and what we do with what God says really matters and means everything. God speaks to us for many reasons, and a large portion of what he says to us actually demands a response from us. One of the most important sermons that Jesus ever, ever gave, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus does many sermonettes maybe, and, or at least what we have is recorded. He talks about giving, he talks about fasting, he talks about prayer, he talks about worship, he talks about money, he talks about lust, he talks about murder, he talks about all kinds of things that are very important. At the end of all of those sermons, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, the things that he had been teaching, and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And note what he says here, and great was its fall. And we hear uh, from the words of Jesus in this passage, he talks about People who are wise are those who hear and heed his words. People that hear and put into practice what he's saying. And it is so easy to just hear his words and not do anything with them. We can walk away from reading. We can walk away from hearing and do nothing with them. And Jesus specifically states that people that practice that, hearing and not heeding, are foolish. And the reason he says that is not to label us in sort of a judgmental way, but rather he emphasizes how foolish it is to hear words of life and not respond to them. We can expect a definite collapse in our life. When the difficulties come, when the trials come, and I, I could, this is my potentially uh, wrong interpretation of this passage. <laughs> I just want to make sure I mention that. But look how he notices the rains came, the floods came. Sometimes in the Bible, the rains were actually the blessing of the Lord. The floods were the judgment uh, of the Lord, or they just were weather patterns that happened to bring, about, bring that about. But my maybe wrong interpretation of this is that in life, we're going to have difficulties and trials, but sometimes we have good seasons, don't we? 
And those good seasons can actually lie to us and make us think everything's going well. And so I find that whether it's the blessing or material blessing, which isn't always the blessing of the Lord, whether it's a good season or a difficult season, all of those seasons can actually reveal what our foundation truly is. All of those seasons can reveal what our life is truly built on. And that's what Jesus talks about. It's very hard to build your foundation in a storm. And so he's talking about storms or difficulties of life, and maybe it is the promotions of life can reveal what we're actually built on. I threw that in as my interpretation. You notice that. I remember the first time that I ever heard a missionary from another country, me being an American, um, speak about what God was doing overseas in, in his in his country. And he's talking about all the glorious testimonies and what God had been doing and how he'd been pouring out his spirit and people were getting saved and healed and delivered and all the great things that God was doing. And at first, when he was talking, I was really excited. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I'm hearing about the work of God. I'm hearing about how the Bible is coming alive in this nation. This man was from India. And so he was explaining all of the things that were happening in northern India where he was from. And uh, as he continued though, I stopped being encouraged and I started being convicted in a very strange way. And I was a brand new Christian and so I didn't have this experience before. This is the first missionary that I had ever heard give a talk to us. He was probably fundraising and recruiting and all of that 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 typically a missionary would do as they come to the States and and share with us at times. And I, I just thought, God, you know, is it something wrong with me? Like, his life sounds so inspiring. His life sounds so powerful. His life sounds so much like the Bible. And the more he talked, the less encouraged I got. Because I felt like my life, in contrast to his life, was just nothing. It didn't look like the Bible, or at least a version of the Bible that I don't read. I mean, I just thought, man, this guy is really living it out, and I'm not. What's wrong with me? What do I need to do? And, and I thought, God, do I need to move to India? Do I need to go talk to him? And sign up and, and be, be where he's at and do what he's doing. And I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment. And I can't say every word that I heard in my head was him verbatim, but I knew that the Holy Spirit was helping me to understand a principle that I've taken with me that he spoke to me in this way. It's not about where you live. It's about how you live. And I realized I'm listening to a man talk about how he's hearing the word and putting it into practice. He's hearing the word and he's simply doing what it says. The Bible says to make disciples of all nations. It says to preach the gospel. It says to lay hands on the sick. He's just doing that where he lives. And as a result of it, guess what? God is pouring out um, this fruitfulness as a result of this man's faithfulness. And, And the Holy Spirit taught me something in that moment that I don't need to feel bad about where I live, whether I'm there or I'm here. Whether we're in Senegal or we're in federal way. Wherever we go, what we need to be about is simply doing what the Word of God says. It's not about where you live. It's about how you live. And this is what it's all about. Responding to the Word of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit will bring about biblical results in our life, and we need to be sure about that. But our response really does matter. As we respond to God, we do so in several different ways. And I want to talk to you about three ways that we respond to God's voice. The first, the first one is that we respond to God's voice with faith. We also respond to God's voice with obedience. 
and we respond to God's voice with perseverance. The first one being we respond to God with faith. This may be our first and probably most important response to God's voice. And I want to explain to you what faith actually is. Faith is assurance. It's trust. It's belief. It's conviction. It's our ability to believe and trust something is true beyond what we know and beyond what we see. Faith comes from God. We see this in Romans chapter 12 verse 3. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul says here in this passage, that each person is given a measure of faith. I don't have time to go into the different kinds of faith. There's saving faith. There's increasing faith. There's the gift of faith. But I'm just talking generally right now that God gives us faith. But don't you know that you can put your faith in something other than God? We really can. We can put our faith in ourselves. We can put our faith in other people. We, we even use the word faith in these ways like, I got faith in you. We don't mean it necessarily the same way as what I'm talking about in this context. But we actually can put our faith in, in other things other than God. God gives us faith in order to give it back to him, to trust him, to believe in him. But to believe in what? To believe in his word. To attach our trust in what he says. Even when we don't see it, and we haven't experienced it, that we trust God's word is true. And when the Holy Spirit then speaks to us specifically about what he's calling us to do, maybe individually or as a church, that we hold on to, we lock on to what God has said. We apply our faith toward God. This is how we first respond to him in every way. Throughout the Bible, God speaks to people and he fully expects them to believe him. Isn't that something? God speaks to people and he fully expects them to believe him. But if you follow many stories in scripture, you will find that we often have a struggle with the Lord. We often have these moments where we wrestle with what he's saying or what he's asking us to do. And we see that in the great heroes of faith, don't we? Mentioned even in Hebrews chapter 11, which, which, which is what I'm going to read to you today. There are many who we acknowledge as heroes of faith, and didn't they struggle in what God asked them to do? They didn't initially just go, absolutely, they, they, they often negotiated with God. And we read this in Hebrews chapter 11, it's sometimes what we call as the hall of faith, and it mentions many different men and women, people that heard God and believed him in their generation, and as a result of it, they saw God impact their generation because they believed him and they consequently followed him in obedience. I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, and I want to mention to you, this is not a definition of faith. That's not what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3 is. It's actually a description of faith. A definition is what something is. I've just given you that about faith. Faith is to trust in something, or in, in our case, it's to trust in God's word and in what he is saying beyond what we know and beyond what we can see. This here that I'm reading to you is not the definition. It is a description. It is what faith is like. And so we read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. The writer says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. And verse 3, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. And it goes on from there to describe many different people 
that heard God and believed him, as I've already said. This chapter was meant to encourage people who were struggling with great difficulty in their generation. And they were being reminded of people that also struggled as they heard God, as they sought to believe God and lock on and lay hold of what God had said and follow him in obedience and faithfulness. This was meant to encourage them, which is why it was written. Following this verse, we read of all the various ones that are brought up. And this passage shows us the importance of our response to God's voice, that we participate in the plan of God. Did you know that? You and I get to participate in God's plan. There is theology out there that states it doesn't matter what we do. God's going to accomplish whatever he's going to accomplish despite us, without us. And that may be true, but he wants to use us. Now, if I were God, I wouldn't choose that. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I love all of you, but if I had angels at my disposal, they're just a lot better at accomplishing God's will. (laughs) They don't have the same reluctance, hesitancy, laziness. We tend to have that. You just read the stories of scripture and it's like, are you sure you chose the right person? I would just use the angels of God. I think they're excited to do the will of God. They hear and they heed right away, just within a moment's notice. Oh, absolutely. They're excited to do his will. But I want you to notice something in these verses. When we say faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, what we're talking about is faith, our ability to believe and trust God's word. It's that we are fully convinced, we are fully persuaded. Even when we are not able to see right in front of our face, this thing come to pass right here and right now. It speaks about a people that believe their God more than they believe their circumstances. It talks about a people who are willing to look the opposite in the face and say, I trust the Lord. This is what it's talking about. And I love verse 3, but I'll be honest with you, I've read this verse for many years. I've preached on it, and I did not always understand what, this verse, what these verses meant. Now, I'm not a dumb guy, okay? I study the Bible, and I'm not a dummy. But I would read these verses and not fully understand what is being talked about because you have this description of faith. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. And the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about people who believe God in their generation. And then there's this weird verse, verse 3. And it says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that What is seen was not made out of things which are visible. And the NIV actually says for the universes. And it's really a bad translation the more you look into it. And I've consulted many people on this particular verse. And this word here for worlds, or sometimes universe, is not actually referring to the earth. And it's not really referring referring to um, that in that way. It's actually a different word that refers to periods of time like a generation. And so there's a different way or there's different translations that say this a whole lot better. And let me go ahead and repeat a different version. This verse could be read by faith. We understand that the generations were prepared and the word would be better stated, arranged, altered, or changed. The generations were changed, altered, or arranged. It doesn't mean frame like they came into existence. It means that what happened during that time was literally changed by what? By the living sayings of God. 
The word rhema is there, the living sayings of God. By faith, we understand not that the universes were created. We know that God spoke and brought those into existence, but that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is saying, by faith, we understand that the generations were altered and changed by the living sayings of God. Here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you with this verse and tell you what it really means. It means that Abraham, Moses, and Noah, and Rahab, and Samson, and every other person that is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, they heard the voice of God in their generation, and everything looked the opposite of what God said and what God wanted to do. And when they heard God, they believed God in that moment in their generation And because they did, they got to participate in a shift that God wanted to bring about. And the same is true in our generation. God is looking for people who, when he speaks, will actually believe what he says. And as a result of it, that generation will shift and it will come into alignment with his kingdom purposes because that is what he's calling us to be about. And this entire chapter is devoted and dedicated to encourage the people of God because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Do you know that people have gone before us and they felt insecurity? They saw opposition. They stood in the midst of a time and generation that said everything but what God's will and word was. And they stood their ground even though they didn't feel like it. Even though they were worried and concerned, they stood their ground and they made a decision by putting a stake in the ground. I'm going to believe God even though I don't feel like it, even though I don't see it, even though I don't know exactly how to say it, but I'm going to trust that God's word is true. He goes on to say at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, and I I just love this. He goes on to talk about those. What, what more shall I say? Verse 32. For time will fail me if I tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong, be, being mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured. Listen to this. Others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mocking, scourging. Yes, also chains, imprisonment. Uh, imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy. There were people that believed God to their own demise. And they died in faith. And here's what I want to say about this is that God speaks to us and there are people in history that believed God and did not see the fulfillment. And they died believing God and they are honored in scripture for not giving in to their disillusionment, for not giving in to their fear, but for believing God until the end. That is why I've literally coined the phrase, contend until the end. Because we live in faith and we die in faith. We live in the now and the not yet of God's kingdom and we are called to contend for what God says is true. We cannot just live by the reports that come, by society's recommendations and encouragements. Um, There are times where we've got to rise up as the people of God and believe what He says. 
I want to encourage you and remind you of this. We live and we die in faith. That's what's noteworthy in the scriptures. There's a, um, I was reading this passage one time and the Lord highlighted this verse in Hebrews chapter 11 talking about the people that gave their lives in faith and didn't see everything come to pass. It says, of them the world was not worthy. I want to write a book called The World Was Not Worthy. Just describing people who gave their lives in faith and didn't necessarily see the fruitfulness, but they made a deposit in the next generation. I want to bring up their stories. I want to write about people that maybe we'll never read about in history. There's no biography written, but I want to discover these gems of stories of people that believe God. And it looks like they failed, but you know they didn't fail because they had an echo that went to the next generation and the next generation. And maybe we don't read their biography, but I want to write a book about them. The world was not worthy. Don't you want it to be said of your life that whether you saw everything happen the way that you believe for it to happen or not, you want to be in that company. Not the disillusioned, but the decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. When we say there's no turning back, we say that in the face of opposition. We don't say that when it's convenient. We say that even when it's hard. I want to tell you that the, the virus thing that we're facing, and I, I don't put it down or any of that. I know I see people kind of talk like, oh, it's nothing. And they're kind of almost, it almost feels like they're putting people down that, that are taking the precautions. And I, I, would, I would exhort us against that, just to take the middle ground. Like we take the precautions, but we push back and we believe God. We don't give in to the fear and the panic, but we certainly are, we, we are, Spirit, soul, and body. So there's some things that we do in the natural world to just take those precautions. But in the spirit, we push back. But I want to tell you, there are things coming in our world that are far worse than this. And my question to us is, are we prepared for that? Are we prepared to hear the voice of God and respond to him when real... This is is something that's... I'm not saying it's not serious, but there are some very serious things that will come. And as a church, what I want to do is rise up together and understand that in those moments, in great difficulty, that we in those moments are believing God together. Not patronizing one another or putting each other down, but we are locking arms. Maybe not hands. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) We're locking arms in faith to believe believe the Lord. I remember... um, I, was re- I received a word from the Lord to write books. I've told you this story before. You may not remember it, but um, when I received a prophetic word from somebody to write books, I didn't even write in a journal. I, I, and I, I've never enjoyed writing. Some people, oh, I just love to write. I, I don't relate to that. I mean, I, I love you, but I don't relate to that. I don't enjoy it. I feel compelled to do it, therefore I, I do. But I received a prophetic word um, I think I was 21 years old. My date, the date escapes me, but it was at least 18 to 20 years ago, um, right as I was becoming a Christian and, and I was in line to get coffee and a guy gives me a prophetic word. I had many confirmations of this, that the Lord had called me to write. 
And uh, when you think of that, you're like, I want to write because I want to pe- get books out there. I mean, I still don't make any money off any of it. I give it all away, right? I mean, uh, the books that you buy in the bookstore, if you buy my book, it goes to our church. I don't make any money on this stuff. I'm not trying to. I'm not interested in it. Um, but I want to get the material out. But the Lord gave me this word to do this, and these confirmations came. And I had this vision one day as the Lord was compelling me to make sure that I believed that this was going to be something he wanted from my life. And in this vision, I saw this big bookcase. And on the bookcase were many books, and I saw what I knew in the vision. Sometimes in a vision, you just know things. I knew it was one of my grandchildren. Yes, I'm going to have some grandchildren. I want you to know. Could be sooner than you think. I've got a son and daughter-in-law who are married for two years now. I'm not putting any pressure on them at all. (laughs) None. She signed up to get her master's degree. You know, I'm just like, hey, whenever, whenever. Sooner the better, whenever. It doesn't matter. (laughs) But I saw what was my grandchild, and they walked up to the bookcase, and they pulled out a book, and they started reading it. And I realized as I look on the books, all of them had my name on them. All the books did. And they were different topics, and... And I knew instinctively I wasn't alive. And one of my grandchildren was, was a little older and they're reading, they're reading this book and they wanted to see what their grandfather had to say about this topic in the Lord. And it was a very emotional thing, a vision that I saw. I wrote it down and, and I just believe God gave me faith that not only to do this, but as a result of doing this, that something great was gonna come as a result of it. And then I wanna show you this picture real quickly. Um, this is my daughter. Uh, I think she was seven or something like that, maybe eight. I don't, I don't know. She's 13 now, 13 and a half now. I walked into her room to tuck her in one night, um, and, uh, and, and I had written my first book at that point. And as I walk in, she doesn't even acknowledge me. And of course, that's never a good thing, just so you know where I come from. <laughs> so you acknowledge people when they come into the room. Anyway, so as I come in, and I'm, Ezra, I, I want to tuck you in. She doesn't say anything to me. And I didn't realize she was reading my book. I thought she was just, because our kids read. We force them to read. That's good. We want their imaginations to be good. And so I thought she was just reading a book. And I look down, and she's reading my book. And she looks up, to, she looks up at me and says, Dad, let me finish this real quick. And I look down, and she's reading my book. And I, all of that, those words and everything that God had spoken to me about to do this for my kids and for my grandkids, I just, I literally start tearing up, you know? And if you know me, that's like a really big deal. And I'm just, I'm just tearing up there. And I'm like, yeah, just take your time. <laughs> You just take your time. Do you want some ice cream? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? I get on my phone, I make a deposit into her checking account. No, I'm just saying, just whatever you want, you know, just whatever you want. And I I had this emotional experience and, and I realized that when we obey, when, first, in order to obey God's word, we have to believe that it's God's word to us. And I'll tell you something, for me, it may seem like a, not a big deal, but to write books, it's not something that I like, it's not something that I want to do. It's hundreds of hours. It's like where everybody else is doing all this, even on my days off, during my days off, that's what I'm doing. I'm studying, I'm writing, and I'm reading. Everybody else gets to do all this stuff. And then I even get patronized sometimes, do you ever take a day off? It's like, no, I don't. I just, I want to be a workaholic. No, <laughs> you've never done that to me. Don't do that to me, though. But... To believe God's word, it's going to cost you. And there are times where you're going to feel like you want to do something else, but you want to lay hold of it. But you know what I want? I want to see a legacy in my life. And this is what 
is in my view, to believe God's word so that there will be impact. We want to live for something greater. And what we want to live for is to have the impact of God's kingdom in and through our life. He will speak to us about things that he's calling us to do. And we have to believe him and it will be challenged. We will have moments of challenge where whatever it is that God asks us to do, whether it's as simple as sharing the gospel or it's writing books or whatever he calls you and I to do, it is going to be challenged and we have to know what to do in the face of the challenge. But this kind of faith that the writer of Hebrews is talking about, he's talking about locking on and laying hold of what he says no matter what. And I want to encourage you to have faith in God and what he says and to give your full and complete trust to him, even if you don't fully understand it. We can affect generations if that's the kind of disposition that we have. We can affect generations. I want to say that to you today. You can impact generations if that's the disposition that you have. You remember in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 13, the apostle Paul, we know he's at the end of his life, he says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And so he's writing to his true son in the faith, Timothy. And he says to Timothy, I want you to take what you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. And I want you to entrust that to faithful men who will in turn give that to faithful men. You remember that passage? I want you to take what I gave you, what I said to you, and I want you to give it away to the next generation, but pick people who will also pass it on. Have you ever thought that the Apostle Paul actually is talking about four generations? Here's Paul, here's Timothy. Timothy gives what Paul gave him to the next generation who will then give it to the next generation. And here's the word. You and I are carrying something that is worthy of an echo into four generations. The apostle Paul could look Timothy or he could write to Timothy confidently knowing that the things that he said to him were worthy of a four generational impact. When you and I rise up and believe God's word, carry God's word, obey God's word, what we find is that we have an echo into the lives of other people far beyond what we could ever imagine. But it takes first that we must believe God. And the second that flows out of our faith is we respond to God with obedience. We must obey, but it requires faith before we ever get to the place of obedience. They actually are connected You cannot overlook the story of Abraham who's referred to as Abram in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. This is what it says about the life of Abram. It's, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And so shall you be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth, that's, that's also Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles that would come forth in the future, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. Now that right there, Abram went forth. We overlooked that. That's not a big deal, right? That's a massive deal. <laughs> Abram got up in the morning and went where God would show him. Where are we going? I will show you. You don't have a GPS and you don't even have a map. God will call us to do things that sometimes we don't have a map for. We don't understand where that will bring us, what that will do as a result of it. He calls us to believe him. He calls us to obey him. And we see that in the life of Abram right here. God told Abram to go and that he would bless him. But here's the thing, if he didn't go, Abram's life would not have been blessed. 
There are some things that we will never get, we will never have, we will never understand, and I would even say there is some growth that will never happen in our lives until we obey God and his word. If we do not obey God, there is a level of understanding that we will never have. Some things you cannot know until you simply enter into obedience. Do you remember when Jesus talked about faith? He called it childlike faith. Kids will do anything. I mean, it's dangerous, (laughs) but they will do anything. God wants us to have this disposition towards him that we will do anything that he says. And as a result of it, our life will be blessed. The obedient life is the blessed life. God always knows what's best for us personally, but he also knows our future and he calls us to an obedient life where he is the one that oversees our future. We often plan and we try to make everything perfect. That just doesn't pan out well. We get one curveball in life and all of our plans are destroyed. But there is one that knows our future and he calls us to trust him and he calls us to believe him and respond to his voice day in and day out. He has all of the plans ever before him. He has, he has the map. He doesn't always share it with us. But he calls us to obey. Now there are two kinds of obedience And I want to just reference this to you today. The first is what I call immediate obedience. God will call us to obey him right here and right now. And if we don't respond to him in that moment, that opportunity is often lost. It could be, hey, I want you to go pray for that person. I want you to call that individual. I want you to respond to this. I want you to send this text. Hey, I want you to turn around and actually engage that person. That opportunity will come and go. And there's immediate obedience. If we do not respond in that moment, the lifetime of that opportunity, the window of that opportunity will just go. And I've been disobedient like you. God has called me to say and do many things, and I wrestled and I fought, and by the time I maybe turned around, it, it was over. I, I could tell you a lot of stories about how great, some, uh, some, how great something was when I did obey, but let me just go ahead and sympathize with all of us by saying that there are moments where God said to me, by the Holy Spirit, I want you to talk to that person, I want you to make that phone call, and I will confess to you I did not do it. And what I want to do instead of us um, lick our wounds, I want to encourage us to be people that respond with immediate obedience. You say, Ben, how do I know it's God? Make the call. <laughs> how do I know it's God? Just respond. If it's anywhere close to something that Jesus would do, do it. That's all we need to know. Jesus always did, always did what the Father was doing. I gave you my perspective of that. I could see the Father doing that. If you could see the Father doing it, just do it. And we always wait. Oh, I, got, I need a confirmation. It's sort of this old saying, I need to feel led by the Spirit. I need to feel led. And the old joke is, well, go buy a piece of lead, put it in your pocket, and every time you need to feel led, just reach down into your pocket and <laughs> feel led. And just obey God, you know? I mean, <laughs> get two pieces of lead in your pocket. Well, I feel really led right now. Great. <laughs> You've already got a lot. If you haven't heard that joke, you're welcome. That's a good one. I see the Father doing that, and therefore I engage. We need to be people that are obedient immediately. Second, secondarily, long-term obedience. This is where God will call us to do something, but it's not just a one-and-done response, amen? It's something that will require a whole level of perseverance, perseverance. 
that we need to stay obedient to God. This is not one, you know, you start a business, you start a church, you start a ministry. That's great to start something, but you know like as well as I do that you have to continue. You have to complete. We can start and be great starters, but we want to be people that continue and fulfill the purpose and the plan of God in our lives. When the Lord called Bridget and I to come here, he gave us overwhelming confirmations. And we laid some things down, and I'm not looking for sympathy, but there are things that we did to come here, and it's been awesome. Actually, you know what I would tell you? I feel like we we fit, Bridget and I have said this, we feel like we fit more here than anywhere we've ever been. But when we, when Bridget and I and our family came here, you know, there were, there were, there were challenges. You weren't any of them, but there were things that we had, but there were things that we had to overcome, things, decisions that we had to make, things we had to lay down. Convenience, a lot of it was convenience stuff, right? All of our family and friends and everybody said, oh, you're not that far away. For some reason, the drawbridge goes up after Seattle. You might as well be in Portland. It's like, where's Federal Way? <laughs> you forget where stuff is. There is that thing called a map. And we're on it, you know? But as we came to Federal Way and we became a part of this church, God called us to do it, but that, that's going to be challenged. Same with you. If God's called you to be a part of Northwest Church, that's going to be challenged at times. We're going to have personal conflict. We're going to have misunderstandings. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have disagreements. Things are going to happen, but we've got choices to make. Are we going to believe what God called us to do together and make a dent in Federal Way in the surrounding community? Are we going to struggle for the rest of our time here being at church? I'm not really sure if I'm, this is where I'm supposed to be. Do you know if the longer we go where I'm not really sure, see, I could do that too. I'm not really sure if I should have come here. I'm not really sure if this is where God had me to be. And I know that people come and they they feel like, I'm not sure if I'm part of this family. Maybe there's another place for me. The longer that we do that, the less we're going to throw our lot in with all of us and obey God and see the kingdom advance through our lives as his church in federal way. And what I'm saying is not making you feel guilty. Wherever God calls us, we need to be, but let's plant together and let our roots go deep together and make a difference together. I mean, I don't just want to come and be here together. I want to make a difference in this region. I want to push back on the kingdom of darkness with a group of people that believe God, obey God, and will persevere with whatever he calls us to do together. He's not just looking for individuals. He's looking for a church that will rise up. And I believe that's us with all of my heart. I believe that in this region that we get to be that church. Other other churches, that's great, but I just happen to be the pastor of this one, and so I'm speaking on behalf of us. I don't just want to live and die. I want to thrive in the purposes of God, even in the face of opposition. And we will get challenged. We will have challenges that will come, but we deal with them biblically, and when we do, we will see the fruitfulness that God promises in his word. And so we look here, the third response is we respond to God with perseverance, to persevere means to persist in something despite difficulties or obstacles. The writer of Hebrews concludes his list of the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, showing us how worth it that it all really is no matter what we face. And this is what it says here, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, he says, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all of the people that he just mentioned, 
Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews says he's the author and the finisher. God speaks to us. We hear his voice. We believe what he says. We obey what he says. And we persevere with what he says. We contend until the end. Yes, he is the author. Yes, he is the finisher of our faith. But he calls us to hear him. He calls us to believe him. He calls us to obey him. And he calls us to persist and to persevere. There's a lot in between him being the author and the finisher of our faith. And I believe the Lord is constantly and continually looking for people who will hear and believe him and respond to his word and to his will. As we gather together, we encourage one another on to love and to good deeds. We stir this up in our community because we are more than just people that are struggling to survive. He calls us to move the kingdom forward. He calls us to see a new fruitfulness in our land. As it says in Psalm 27, 13, I would have fainted. I would have been depressed had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we believe that. That we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But it requires our faith. It requires our obedience. It requires us to persevere. Maybe today you felt like your faith for whatever reason, has been extinguished because you believe the word of God, the promise of God, and you didn't see it happen. In my heart, I felt like there would be some among us where you went through a season, you went through a time, you did believe God, you loved the Lord, but your faith took a blow. Then I did believe God, and now you just feel depleted. You feel like the wind got knocked out of you. I want to tell you, just in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is able to resuscitate those places in us. He is able to put wind in our sails and the wind at our back. He is able to get us to rise up and stand. He, by his grace and the power of his Holy Spirit, can cause us to stand up, to rise up, and to be those people today. Maybe you had great victories in the past, but you feel like you're in the middle of defeat. That does not have to be the narrative or the story of our lives. Let's not only be good starters, let's be great finishers. That we finish, that we complete, that we bring unto completion what God has spoken to us, both by his word and by his spirit. I don't know what God has told you to do personally, but you know what I do know is that God is speaking to Northwest Church and in the days ahead, he is going to give us words and we get the privilege and the honor to accomplish those together. I'm loving that. That whether it was God's design or our choosing, here we are together as his people. He rallies us together and he's going to deposit words in this house and he's going to give us the choice of what we're going to do. He just, he allows us to make those choices though, doesn't he? We see that in this book. We see that there are people that made choices to believe God, to obey God, and to contend. And there are people that did not do that. And we want to be in Hebrews chapter 11. We want to be the nameless and the faceless ones at the end of that book that are not written about in here, 
but it's the continuation of that very truth. And that's what I want to pray over us today, that we all together experience that. If you've experienced an, if you've experienced an extinguishing of your faith and you just feel depleted like the wind got knocked out of you, I just want, as we, we all stand today as we close, I believe that the Lord will give you grace today and accompany your acknowledgement with his power to give back to us what we need to move forward with him. And so if that's you, just put your hands out before the Lord. I want to pray over you right now. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your people. And I pray right now for your grace to enable and empower us right where we stand to believe you again, to persist and to persevere in obedience of what you have called us to do. I pray that our ears would hear and that, Lord, we would not turn to the right or to the left, but we would stand and receive your word and we would respond to your word, whatever it is. And whatever stage of life we're in, Lord, if we're breathing today, you're not done with our life. And so we prophesy over this house and we prophesy over every person today that your purposes will still be fulfilled in and through our lives for your glory and for your namesake. So I pray over us as a church, Lord, do it again in us. Resuscitate whatever is dead, whatever is dormant. Revive us, O oh God, and make us alive to you in this day that we would fulfill your purposes in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, Amen. as you go, be strengthened by God's word, be filled with his spirit, be mindful of God's voice, and be focused on his mission as we bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. And while you're there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.